Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that helps newer watch enthusiasts learn from my mistakes while bringing veteran resources to the attention of the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason. I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. Episode 41 is brought to you by Mushi Watch Straps. Mushi Watch Straps is a veteran-owned business and provides well-built and fairly priced NATO straps, two-piece straps, leather and canvas straps, as well as watch tools, accessories, and storage. Feel free to use a code VET10, that's Victor Echo Tango 10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. And I will include a link to Mushi Watch Straps in the show notes, and they can be found at www.mushiwatchstraps.com. Once again, I always try to highlight a product that I've used from Mushi, and I always go back to the canvas watch rolls. It's either those or uh, the gray fluted NATO, but I, I can't keep harboring on about those. But canvas watch rolls are awesome. They're suede line. There's multiple pouches in there. There's nice little leather straps so you can roll all up. I use them for strap storage. And I also use them for travels, which are what they're intended for. They're very nice and they're, they really protect the watches as far as the suede goes. So check them out. So in this week's show, we're going to discuss a new term that I've heard recently in a couple of different areas with regards to watch enthusiast stuff. And that term is the exit watch, quote unquote. And I want to discuss what I think it means to you and what it means to myself, but to you specifically as a new watch enthusiast, that's something you've heard because it's, I don't know if it's that I heard though, if I watched one video or I heard it and then it just started popping up on my YouTube algorithm and stuff like that. But I'll touch on that in a second. And then I also cover some pretty cool stuff. There are new VA pact act hiring fairs that are going on across the country. So I'm going to cover those. I'm going to be able to tell you the locations they are at and all the stuff and what you got to do to apply. So that'll be the, what I cover in the veteran section. Well, let's get into the watch enthusiast section real quick, where we discuss the quote unquote exit watch. All right. So what does it mean the exit watch? Well, I've heard people say it differently, but it all kind of comes up to the point of this is the watch, right? So I guess there's the grail watch. And those of you who've listened for a while, you know, I have a tiered grail system, but the exit watch would be like the watch. Like you get this one timepiece and then you're out. Like you're like, I'm gone. And what does that mean to you as a new watch enthusiast? I gave this some thought. Uh, Miguel over at SoCal Watch Reviews, Miguel and P, P. Ross, shout out. They had a whole interesting conversation today about on uh, today's episode. Well, I listened to it today, but I think it was just episode about an exit watch and then which watch would it be. And there, there's interesting points. I don't want to uh, sell the lead on theirs. I'll, put, I'll include the link to their episode in the show notes. So you can go give a lead. Excellent discussion. And it got me thinking, you know, so as far as a new watch enthusiast, what does that term exit watch mean? And I think for you as a new watch enthusiast, it means nothing. And it means nothing, and I'll explain why. So if you're new into this watch enthusiast stuff, I think you need to ask yourself if you're one of two things. Are you a watch enthusiast or are you a watch collector? And I think that is a huge question to ask yourself. Because what I've experienced in, in my short time in this space is that there are watch enthusiasts and there are watch collectors. And sometimes does it does it bleed together like brackish water? Like, yeah, sometimes you get a little salt and fresh water mix. Um, I'm sure there's a little, uh, before anyone comes after me, I'm sure there's a little bit of a watch collector in every watch enthusiast. And I'm sure there's a little bit of an enthusiast in each watch collector. Literally by definition of the word. But 
I think when I initially got started in this, I was a collector. I wanted to get stuff, get it. I wanted to try different types of watches. I wanted to, you know, I felt like I had to have a dive watch. I had to have a dress watch. I had to have an aviator's watch. I had to have um, a field watch. I had to have a G-Shock, which I already have on any of these, so that's kind of cheating the system. But I think you know what I mean. And over time, as I started to learn more about how timepieces were made, how I started to learn more about the different organizations out there and different brands. And I got to meet more people inside the space as I got to learn more about horology and the science of timekeeping and all that stuff. I have started to actually collect less and less and be more specific and nuanced for me about what I'm actually going out and getting. And it's kind of gotten to the point where I haven't really picked up a whole lot. I have, I do have a piece coming in. I have my eye on another piece. Uh, but I've kind of put my brakes because I'm pretty happy with what I have and I actually have some stuff that I'm trying to sell. But what does this mean? I, I consider myself more of an enthusiast as a collector. I'm not going out trying to get every single piece that I like that I see. Believe me, I see a lot of stuff that I like that I see. Uh, but it's like, what am I going to do with it? I only I can only wear so many. You know, I have one watch winder and I haven't even set it up yet. But I think for you as a new watch enthusiast, it's important though to ask yourself that question. Do you want to be a collector? Because I know people that, you know, love a certain brand and love a certain you know like a car make and model they love a certain model of that brand and they go out and get all of them right or they're on the hunt constantly for them and i don't think that i think you're more apt if you're a collector and you are very very nuanced very specific on what you're collecting that there is a piece in that line that if you scored that piece that is the piece de resistance that is the piece of pieces in that line but i think if you're a watch enthusiast you tend to take a look at different companies, different brands, different, you know, models, for example, and different makes that you're less likely to have one watch that fits all those desires. And I think, I think that if you're a watch enthusiast, you just generally appreciate different aspects of timepieces and horology. It's the, it's the trivial pursuit pie. And maybe one slice of that pie is not your jam, but the other slices of those pies are your jam. Like I, I know I used to like the sports trivia pie. I used to like the history pie, uh, the geography pie. Uh, when I was young, I didn't really care for the literature part of the pie too much, but I digress. So, and I think that if you're a collector, it's not that you don't appreciate that, but I think that your focus is a lot different, right? So instead of a trivial pursuit pie, you know what I mean? Like maybe you got the little car in the life game and you're just trying to get like, you know, all blue or all pink uh, little little pegs inside the car and that's what you want, right? You're not really interested in but that's my two cents on that. And then, I mean, if you're an enthusiast, would you ever, like I said before, come across one timepiece that's so amazing that it nixes your love of everything else in the hobby? I know for me, I wouldn't. And it doesn't mean like if I had one that if I had something that was close to that, that I wouldn't like, you know, go see other watches or see other timepieces, but I would want to have other stuff on my wrist eventually. There, you know, like... I like sandwiches, but I'm not trying to eat a sandwich every single day. You know what I mean? You know, we talk about grail pieces, right? Like I mentioned grails earlier and how they're slightly different than an exit watch. But, you know, I've held one of my main grails. And one of my main grails is, and I'll discuss the, the ultimate grail, but I'll discuss my main grail that I've actually physically held. You know, and that is the Rolex Explorer 2. And I like the bigger model. Uh, I've been reading about it. But even if I had that, the white dial, uh, I'm memorizing the reference number still, but even if I had that piece, that piece would be part of a smaller collection. 
I mean, I just feel like the price point on that watch, prob, you know, not so much provenance. Like, you know, I wouldn't have an actual Spelunky Rolex Explorer 2. But, you know, the, the story behind that watch and everything, I just, I like that watch so much. I wouldn't want to wear it more. I wouldn't want to wear it every day. The only thing I wear, but I'd want to wear it an awful lot more. So, and like for me, I would, I would have that. I'd have a quartz piece because I feel like I always want to have a really good quartz piece. Probably my Sangin, Warm and Fuzzy, I'd keep that. So I have something to grab and go that I know is durable, you know, and it's not, it's not so common as my marathon TSAR, for example, which I love and it's course wise, it's awesome. But you know, I'd probably end up selling the TSAR and keeping the Sangin warm and fuzzy. Right. And then that Rolex Explorer two would be part of a three or four, maybe five piece collection, but I would wear it an awful lot because it's just, it warrants it. Right. Now there is an upper tier, like grail of all grails, but I've never seen it in person. And that's that Vacheron Constantine overseas Everest dual time. I a, have never seen it. So maybe if I saw it, it would be like, you know, when Indiana Jones is collecting that little gold figure. And it's like, oh, right. Um, maybe I'm like, take all my other watches and I give them away to everybody. Or maybe I'm just like, oh, this thing's really cool. And I need to have a smaller collection so I can still be enthused and enjoy the other aspects of my timepieces that I own that I like. And I have part of a little collection, right? That's what it would be for me. So I recommend to you as a newer watch enthusiast, like if you have a grail piece, can you have an exit piece if you haven't even seen it? You know, I, I, I think it's just important to consider that. And the whole point of this is that I don't think enthusiasts, true enthusiasts would have an exit, exit piece, you know, because we live to experience timepieces. We live to experience different moments with these timepieces. And, you know, we try to do different stuff with these things. I know for me, a lot of times, like if I go somewhere with my wife, you know, a lot of times I wear my Zodiac, the Zulu Oscar 9209, you know, the one from the blog to watch article at review. I, I wear that because there's a, there's a connection between the two of us. I wear it because I feel like that timepiece can go anywhere. Like we can go on a hike and then I can roll into a restaurant with that with her. And it, and it feels just as home because it's so classy. Right. But it's got that tie in that story, the review that we wrote, but we have that connection. So think about that for a second. I mean, that would be part of the collection, right? Like that thing's never going anywhere. But I just think that as, as, as you start down this hobby road in, in, in the space with watch enthusiasm, you're just going to know, like, you know, we live to experience different timepieces. And I mean, truly experience and not like going to a watch meet, handling someone's stuff, put on the wrist for a little while. No, I mean, that's part of the experience, but then what if it moved you enough to want to purchase one and actually have it? And we're talking long-term experiences. So I just think as a newer watch enthusiast, it's important to don't fall into the traps. A lot of these terms, these hot button terms lay out for you because I did initially in as a new watch enthusiast, when I got in there, you know, talk, people talking about, you know, divers and desk divers, and then, you know, three piece collection, five piece collection, um, a grail watch, like, oh, this is my grail watch, right? You know, limited edition. We've talked about that before. Special edition, you know, the limited drop, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just, you know, take them for what they're worth. And if you hear the term exit watch, maybe it doesn't apply to you if you're a new watch enthusiast, because maybe there's a whole lot more you want to experience and one watch wouldn't kill that for you. That's just what I think. All right. In veteran news, I want to talk about, there is a current update of veterans benefits administration, the VBA. We talked about that in an earlier episode podcast. They're standing up PACT Act in-person hiring fairs, right? So for those who aren't familiar, the PACT Act, we discussed that in a previous episode. Um, I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. They are having in-person hiring fairs this month. And so I'm going to read off the list of the hiring fairs so you can write them down. I'll do it real slowly. And then I'll go through and kind of tell you the jobs. And there's three specific positions they're looking to fill. 
And these positions are in USA Jobs. For those of you that aren't familiar, USA Jobs is the federal employee hiring site, right? You can go in there, create an account, you know, verify your stuff, uh, build a resume. For those of you that don't know, I highly recommend just building the resume the first time. So if you don't have the time to do it the first time you go there, schedule a time, sit down with your favorite beverage, sit down with all your paperwork that you have, a resume or any documentation you have, and use the resume builder because it feeds into the computer. And then all you got to do later is update certain stuff as you get more you know, credentials, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's discuss where these hiring fairs are. So it's the VBA Stand-Up Pact Act in-person hiring fairs that are going to occur this month, February 2023. And I'll read them chronologically for you. So there's going to be St. Petersburg, Florida, February 7th, 2023. There'll be Waco, Texas, February 9th, 2023. Los Angeles, California, February 14th, 2023. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, February 16th, 2023. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. February 22nd, 2023. Nashville, Tennessee, February 23rd, 2023. Salt Lake City, Utah, February 28th, 2023. And then Chicago, Illinois, March 2nd, 2023. Now, this is just the initial list they have. I don't know if uh, they're going to do more the next month. I mean, I'm pretty sure like with any kind of hiring thing, you know, they're going to see how many spots they got filled, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to... Uh, maybe adjust and have some more if they need them. So uh, I'm going to give you real quick. The job seekers, they're seeking all levels of experience that are welcome to apply for these priority considerations, right? So there's an RVSR position, Romeo Victor Sierra Romeo, which is a ratings veteran service representative, right? So the one thing about the Navy, uh, if you read a title, like for any piece of equipment, it usually tells you exactly what it does. So if you're a service rep for rating veterans, I'm pretty sure you're going to help service veterans in giving their rating, right? Then there's a veteran service representative, a VSR, and uh, maybe you're just helping, you know, represent veterans and get them service. Then there's a legal administrative specialist, and that's LAS, Lima Alpha Sierra. And then I'll put, I'm going to include the links to the USA job hiring, like the actual job description on there for you. So they talk about walk-up applicants are welcome, but don't don't wait, apply today. But advanced applications will receive priority consideration. So if you go into the site and actually apply USA Jobs, then they're going to reach out to you. So I'm pretty sure they got someone sitting there waiting with a button to contact people. And it says that the hiring fairs are going to take place between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. The doors open at 9 a.m. If you're an advanced applicant, you're going to be contacted by an office representative to confirm an in-person appointment on the date of the hiring event. And so I think it's pretty cool. Um, some other stuff they put in there, you will probably, if you're an advanced applicant, you will be contacted to confirm your appointment on the date of the hiring event. So what I, I'm telling you, they probably got people lined up like shark's teeth trying to do this stuff. So if you, you know, applied in advance and they're trying to contact you to confirm your appointment, I would say it's pretty important that you confirm the appointment because there's people waiting to take your spot. So, you know, get in, get in early. And then if you're a selected applicant, you're required to have two forms of identification, one containing a photo, and then for on-site fingerprinting, because it is going to be federal employment, right? The first event that I saw was the one that was in, it's going to be in Los Angeles, February 14th, 2023. And then they have the address there for that one. That's at, that's at the Los Angeles Regional Office, 11,000 block of Wilshire Burlfard, Los Angeles, California, 90024. 
And then, like I said, I'll put all these links in the show notes uh, so you don't have to worry about it. Let's go over the job descriptions real quick. I'll read you the summary about the job and kind of just kind of give you an idea. Like I'll read the duties as far as what it, what it says. Now, here's the one thing I'm going to tell you. You go into USA Jobs, it's pretty cool. Like they give you the salary information. They tell you the pay, the pay grade scales. Um, they tell you the locations and the following locations. So you could be at one of these job fairs applying to do this job somewhere that's nowhere even near you, right? So, I mean, you can, I can look at this first one, the, the veteran service representative, and we're talking about for rating the first four places, Montgomery, Alabama, Anchorage, Alaska, Phoenix, Arizona, Little Rock, Arkansas, right? And then it says there's 60 more locations. I didn't see anything specifically said, but I'm pretty sure that if you went in there and created a profile and then you applied and you lived in one of those other areas, they might do like a virtual interview. I mean, it sounds like it's possible. I don't know that they would expect someone to, someone that lives in Anchorage, Alaska to fly to Los Angeles for, for an interview. But uh, anyways, let's get to the point. Uh, the veteran service representative for rating. Uh, the job is located inside the department of veteran affairs. So a ratings veteran service representative works as an employee in a veteran service center. Uh, you will also work in the integrated disability evaluation program and the pension management center. And then they want you to have some thorough training in both virtual and physical environments. And they'll need you to just participate in training for several months to acquire the skills needed to create or decide on rating disability determinations. So here's the thing. I really like when I hear a job say that, that they're going to give you some training before they, you know, not just going to throw you in to do this stuff. Right. And then there's some primary duties and I'm not going to go through all of them because there's a what ton of them, but you know, some primary duties. And then I'll relate them to the ONET episode, which I'll also include links to the show in the show notes to the ONET episode, because a lot of times I think people get held up on these duties, but I don't want to take too long. All right. So primary duties included, but are not limited to the following. So you're going to review and analyze complex medical information, right? So diagnostic texts, office notes, operative reports, apologies for the sniffles. I'm still coming down with a cold. My voice probably isn't even great because I've been sick the last couple of days. But anyways, you're going to help determine service connection and disability entitlement. Once again, they're going to give you training for that. They have a comprehensive training program that you have to attend to learn about terminology, VA regulations, how to critically analyze evidence and apply the VA schedule of disabilities to render decisions on claims. They're going to talk, you have to learn a proper application of federal law and regulations, other applicable instructions, and then be taught that you're fully accountable for the proper analysis, appropriate development, and final rating determinations. You're going to analyze claims. You're going to determine service connection, percentage of disability, communicate and interact with veterans and the representatives and advocates. You're going to have to participate in meetings, assist with training, expect to lend his or her expertise in developing other VSR skills as they relate. So they want it to be like obviously a teamwork environment or when new people come in, since you have experience, then that matters. And that's another thing I'll tell you. Like if these things are popping up and these are new jobs, I don't know how long this position has been around, but I mean, you get in at ground level, you get in when it starts. I mean, it's, it's the road to success if you do a good job because the initial people are probably going to have a better chance to advance than the people that come in later. And then it talks about excellent oral and written communication, judgment, troubleshooting, ability to handle work-related stress and multiple priorities simultaneously, uh, maintain professional client relationships, support the organization's quality program and perform other duties, right? So it's full-time work Monday through Friday, telework eligible, uh, but it's not a virtual position. And this is not a work, remote work position. And then they give you some codes for your job, physical requirements, promotion potential, and all that stuff. And then there's a ton of conditions for employment. Like you got to be a U.S. citizen. You're going to get a background check. This is federal work. You're going to get random or designated drug testing. 
you'll have a probationary period. Uh, if you're a male, you have to have done selective service. Um, you're going to have to have a complete ac- application package of resume, transcripts, et cetera. And then there's a bunch of other stuff, um, which I don't really want to take up too much time for this one job. And then the summary for the veteran service representative, which is just standard. Some of the duties are make determinations as to the eligibility for the type of benefits sought. So if someone's asking you questions, uh, do they have enough military service, medical evidence, an evaluation of evidence of income, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can help people request examinations or re-examination. Uh, you can review claim cases. You can conduct interv- interviews in person by phone with veterans and then explain like the full range of benefits. And then you can prepare and release correspondence for use for other federal, state, and local agencies, and then utilize various electronic data processing systems to input data for processing claims and generating automated correspondence. And then a legal administrative specialist, contact representative remote eligible. So this job, let's just read the first one, the duties. So the National Contact Center centralizes VBA's content center activity in order to yield greater consistency and higher quality in the service provided by customer-facing employees. So if you're an employee of the NCC, you're going to have contacts via telephone, email, video, or chat with the public of purposes. There's a bunch of other stuff. So advising and providing information on benefits and rights, explaining pertinent legal provisions, uh, regulations, et cetera, assisting individuals regarding how to best provide needed documents, and then initiating inquiries to resolve errors, delays, or other problems in obtaining benefits. And there's a bunch of other stuff. You're going to assist the inquirer, which would like say would be me, for example, or, or you as a veteran, uh, explaining kind of documents that are necessary, explain VBA rating decisions, perform claim or appeal, and an appropriate respond to interactions. And in the bottom of each one of them, they give you the different pay, scra- pay grade scales, and that'll tell you the requirements required for those. So the three jobs they're looking at are the rating veteran service representative, the veteran service rep, and then the legal administrative specialist. And that's in all the job fairs that are going to be going on, the PACT Act in-person hiring fairs, February 2023. I think this is all pretty pretty good stuff. Uh, I would at least go apply and give it a shot. If you have a clean record, you can get in there. You know, the benefits are insane for federal employment. You can You can do some good stuff. So it's just something to think about. And once again, when I post the episode, all the links for all that stuff will be in the show notes so you can get through it. Um, if anyone's got any questions, you know, you know, you can reach me at. So I hope you learned something from as a new watch enthusiast about that quote unquote exit watch and then the new VA Pact Act hiring for the veteran stuff and all the walk-in job fairs that you can attend for these new Pact Act hiring positions. And in closing thoughts, well, I appreciate you tuning in to episode 41. Uh, we're, we're chugging along this week's positive affirmation. I read something today about fear and worry. It makes you think about stuff, right? And what I'll say is this, fear and worry, you can defeat them with action. And if you don't try, you don't do, if you don't do something about them, you're going to have to live with the fear and worry. So why not just take a step and do something about it? And remember, at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you.